Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Welcome, folks, and woo, what a chilly morning it was. I was so happy to get up and look at the computer. It said it was 30 degrees, but when I stepped outside in that wind, oh, my goodness gracious, it is brutal out there. So if you haven't been outside yet, just realize there is a wind chill. I know, you know, having the temperatures, that's great. But, I mean, the wind chills are brutal. It's just terrible. And to think, only a week ago or so, I was wearing flip-flops. Now I have shoes and socks on. Oh, gosh, how boring. Anyway, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. If you have any questions, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Brian Kelly just came in and got his box of Kleenexes. Thank you for getting him out of here. (laughs) Every Saturday we get together to discuss your yard, landscape, garden, house plants, potting mixes, or soil improvement, pruning bugs, diseases, and uh, plant removal, plant installation. But please remember my thoughts are strictly to open opportunities. Afterwards, it's going to take effort physical and mental, both on your part in this great marathon called gardening. There's no sprints out there. This is your show, and I appreciate you being here. Thanks to Greg. He's, again, producing today of the Garden Hotline. And uh, actually, he brought in some questions last week, but I refused to answer him off air. I told him he was going to have to call in, but it was going to be difficult if he's producing and trying to call in at the same time and answering your phone calls and everything else. So... (sighs) Oh, well, life gets very, very complicated. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. Also, I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. And during the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage, there's an email address and a phone number. And also, if you'd like to give uh, Walk and Talk as a gift, I do do that. I have gift certificates and all that other stuff. So you're certainly welcome to uh, contact me related to a gift certificate for a Walk and Talk. And by the way, today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. 12th and Gravoy, where is that? Or Gravois. Is the, the Walgreens we go to is on Gravois Avenue, according to the person that when you call in and you say they tell you the location, Holly Hills and Gravois. I don't, I don't know where Gravois is. Anyway, that's where Soulard Station is. What this is is an old converted gas station, which has become a great place to have gatherings and meetings and to enjoy the landscape that surrounds the building. Today, with all the sparkles of the seasonal lighting, wow, as I was headed towards... KMOX, 
I thought, this is the place I want to take my good gardening stroll. So, uh, man, oh, man, even with the utility work, which was around there, it didn't really ruin it. There's a traditional Christmas tree, which fills one of the castly urns. White lights and blue lights, ornaments and everything else. Well, it's just white lights, but blue and white ornaments on this traditional Christmas tree. Uh, they're dwarf blue spruce embraced by multiple color string of lights. There's a praying mantis, which is a piece of artwork, is wearing a Santa's hat and has a wreath in his hands. There's some oak leaf hydrangea there. Hmm, oak leaf hydrangea got no seasonal decorations at all, but you can see the nice brown bracts from the flowers they had earlier in the year. There's some giant pots, which have traditional Christmas trees in them as well. And as you go around the side, which I guess that would be the west side of the building, there's a note on the door saying there's going to be a meeting on December 12th at 6.30. There's various other evergreens in the landscape as well. Some vertically rigid, others reaching out here and there in every place. And some kind of have a cascading. But I'll tell you, in the morning breeze, everything was kind of moving around. There's pine roping. It sweeps across the wrought iron fence. A mat covers the extension cords, which cross the walkway. This is all part of the entranceway to Soulard as you're coming out of downtown on where Tucker changes to 12th Street or regardless. It's kind of a whole neat building. And this is the neighborhood where Tracy and I lived for years and years and years before we moved a little bit further south to South City. So Soulard, Soulard Station. Got a chance, go by and check out the lights. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you'd like some updated information, uh, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and I have the December, let's say, schedule of things to be thinking about or doing in your landscape. One thing, though, always remember that it should ice, sleet, snow, or whatever occur, uh, first of all, don't knock it off your plant material. Don't go out there with a brush or a broom or anything else. Just leave it alone. Let it sit there. A lot of times the knocking can cause more damage than actually what the weight of whatever happens to be on the plant material can cause. So just realize that. And also, using rock salt, sodium chloride, Though it is cheaper, does dehydrate the ground and can do damage to the root systems as well. So, and it also can do damage to hardscapes. So, an alternative is calcium chloride, which does 90% less dehydration as opposed to sodium chloride. Oh, I love to talk chemicals. And, or you can use traction sand, which is less damaging as well. It won't melt the ice slash snow slash sleet or anything else, but. It makes it so you can walk around safely. So you can check out my uh, December update. Let's go to the phones, and first call of the day is going to be Dan. Dan lives in St. Louis. Hi, Dan. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. Great. I have a uh, very mature pin oak tree in my backyard. It's probably 70 to 80 foot tall. It used to have a twin that I lost due to a lateral sewer line collapse that uh, they had to dig right next to the tree. But um, I've had this tree deadwooded twice in the last 15 years. This last time they took out probably about a third of the upper canopy, and it's got a major amount of the 
I guess it's called gall disease. Mm-hmm. Gall. Um, so my question is, is there anything I can do preventative-wise to try to save this tree other than having it uh, trimmed up, you know, every few years, um, as in, like, fertilizer or any other ideas? Uh, basically, there's not too much you can do. A tree of this age is kind of like me. I'm getting old. I'm 68, so... You know, I don't have galls growing out of my face or anything, but I'm still not looking so good. But anyway, what you can do with your tree is there's something called deep root feeding, which aerates your soil and adds, you know, organic matter to your soil. So the best thing you can do for your tree is to help your soil. So nothing, you know, I mean, other things, you know, fertilizer, spikes and all that other stuff, that's strictly cosmetic and it really doesn't really help overall if you don't have healthy soil. So deep root fitting involves having an electric drill, an earth auger, and you just auger holes and like circles around the tree, and those holes you backfill with compost. And then you're enriching the soil, and you're making the soil more nutrient, let's say positive, so then the feeder roots of the tree can take advantage of that. But that's about the best thing you can do. And that doesn't have to be just done for older trees. This is done for any tree. So you start augering holes about a third of the way out from the trunk to the drip line, and about okay. every two feet you auger a hole and backfill it with compost, and you make a circle around. Then you go out a couple feet and do it again, and you keep going until you just go beyond the drip line. What kind of diameter hole and how deep? Well, this earth auger is about an inch to an inch and a half auger, uh, you know, drill bit. So you can okay. go to your favorite garden center and just ask them for an earth auger. It's very specific. Or, you know, and the reason why you want an earth auger is because it's a little bit deeper. So you're going down about any place between 6 and, you know, 8 to 12 inches, depending upon your soil type. Great. Um, um, one more question. Is it too late to winter fertilize the lawn? Uh, you're kind of on the cusp because even the cool season lawns, it's getting to the point where they, you, you don't want to force a whole lot of growth because if we have a severe cold snap that comes, and this is, you know, sort of surging with the growth due as a result of the fertilizer. Even though winterizing fertilizer is not supposed to cause growth, it's supposed to be for the health, it still can cause some growth in your lawn. And so you're, I mean, it's going to be a little bit, uh, let's say, iffy at best. Okay. Appreciate all your help. And now let's go to, thanks, Ken. <laughs> let's go to Ken, and Ken lives in southern Illinois. Hi, Ken. Good morning. Hi. Enjoy your show. Well, thanks. Uh, we had several stumps ground out in our yard this year. I was just wondering, would that make good mulch? Uh, if you if you just leave it in place, no. But if you dig it up, you know, if you rake it up and put it in a pile and let it sort of cook down a little bit, it will. But it's still very raw wood if it's just been done this year. And a lot of times, you know, like chippers, you know, when they come in and take, you know, let's say power companies come through and yeah. cut branches off, all those chips are not really all that good. They're great for pathways and things like that. But if you put them on bed space, they suck moisture out of the ground. They also bind up nutrients until the wood, you know, chips or till the, let's say, stump grindings start breaking down. Then they'll, you know, then they can become functional. But just to spread yep. it on top of the ground, you know, right now is not a very good idea. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And if anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Dennis lives in Carlisle, Illinois. Hi, Dennis. 
Good morning. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have a uh, an orchid. I'm a first-time orchid grower, and, and uh, I had a beautiful, and I'm not even sure how to pronounce it correctly, but Philonopsis, is that close? Yeah, yeah it's very, very close. close. All right. But anyway, uh, it was beautiful. It had two beautiful stems, and the flowers were just fantastic. So it, it flowered its season, and then it dropped the flowers. And uh, I cut back the stems, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize I was not supposed to cut them below the last node. And uh, so have I ruined my, my orchid? Uh, will it grow new stems, or is it done? Uh, no, it's, you haven't ruined it by any means. So, you know, to say, you know, to cut the flower stem off just to, at a certain specific point, I mean, that's okay if you don't do that. But what you should do is go to your favorite garden center, get some orchid food, and fertilize it, and uh, make sure it's getting plenty of sunlight. So even though orchids in their native habitat, a lot of times they grow on the, you know, because it's... Uh, grow on the side of trees or in the shade or things like that, you want to give it as much light as possible. And ideally, if you don't have a really bright window, you might get a small grow light to put on it. And water just every few days, you know, and don't drown it. All you want to do is keep the bark that it's growing on just kind of damp looking. So don't overwater. That's the worst thing you can do with the orchids. And uh, probably, depending upon the variety, depending upon weather and everything else, they don't bloom all that often. So don't expect every, you know, another sequence of flowers to come anytime soon. So it may be another six months before you're going to get another, you know, flower stalk coming up out of it. But using the fertilizer, you know, it's going to tell you how much to use. But uh, this time of year, because of the days are so short, go ahead and just put half whatever the label rate says to put and uh, you're going to probably, I mean, most of the fertilizers are water-soluble, so you're going to mix it in water. So consider that also a watering process. So the main thing with the orchids is make sure that you don't overwater them. And they should have, you know, I don't know what kind of pot it came in or anything else, but hopefully it had drainage holes on the bottom of it. It does. Okay. And uh, what I've done is I was told to kind of like, I did soak it. And uh, then I, I wait 10 days and I soak it again. But it looks very good, but I shouldn't be doing that then, should I? Well, I mean, if, if you bought it from somebody and they're telling you to do that, it seems a little bit, you know, to soak it. I don't, what I do, I've, grow, I've grown orchids over the years a lot. Now I just have one phalaenopsis myself. And every few days I just take it over and I shoot some water like a, you know, a shot glass full on it, and then I leave it until I think about watering it again, and that's pretty much it. Uh, one last question: then. when I when I uh, change the uh, the mulch in it, how often do I do that? Once every two years, or I would, I would say, say never do it. You don't, you don't need, need to change that bark out. So, I mean, if the bark finally decomposes enough that you might want to add some bark, just go to your favorite garden center and get some orchid bark and just put some new on the top. Well, thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Well, great. great. Good luck, Dennis. And, well, let's see. George in St. Peter's. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good. Hey, we got a 20-year-old a Bradford pair, and I know they're limited time. It's going to be around. Do you think limbing it up the lower branches is going to help keep it from splitting? No. It's it's the angle of the, you know, if you look at the angle of all the branches, it's very narrow. It's like 10 to 15 degrees as opposed to oak trees, which are like 45 to 90 degrees or whatever. 
and you know maple trees and everything else. So it's a narrowness of the angle of all the branches. That's very weak. And a lot of times you can even see there's where the branches are if you re, if you can get up in there, you can kind of almost put your hand down where two branches meet and it's already starting to rot away. So there's, you know, there's real problems with that as far as running off water running down the trunk and just sitting there and that's you know one of the things that causes the you know the say the storm damage due to wind but no there's really limbing it up is not going to make any difference at all because the branches that still remain are still going to be at that narrow angle okay so really there's not much you can do nope i mean some people have cabled them and done all this other stuff but that seems a bit extreme but if you've had it for 20 years i mean they're fan i like them a lot but I don't have one in my landscape, so I just enjoy people like, you know, going by people like you who have them in their landscape. And there's a bunch of them on the street very close to where I live. And, wow, I mean, they're just fantastic. I'm sorry that, you know, they have these kind of problems, but there's not really too much you can do. Okay. Well, thanks. Yep. Mike Miller, KM North Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Mary lives in Crestwood. Mary, how are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Wondering about trimming a Japanese maple and a rising sun, red bud, uh, do it now, spring... Fall. Well, with the red bud, you prune it now, and you, whoosh, there goes the right. flowers. That's true. I forgot to think about that. Okay. So, I mean, that's fine. You can do it. But, uh, you know, I don't, pruning, you know, except certain things, going in wintertime, I don't recommend. Because if, if we have a severe winter, you've pruned off some anyway. Okay. And now, then, if we get, you know, some more twig damage due to the very, very severe cold, then, I mean, it's going to look ugly. So I'd wait until after the worst part of winter is over, and then you could do your pruning. But with a red bud, wait until after it finishes flowering. So you're thinking spring or summer is okay? Well, I'd, with maples, any type of maple, summer pruning works fine. Okay. For some reason, they don't have problems with the fungus and everything, airborne bacterias and viruses. Worth other trees like elms and oaks and things like that do seem to have problems. But summer pruning for any kind of maple works very good. Thank you so much. Great. Bye. And if anybody has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Tracy and I, <laughs> we went out and saw some of the holiday decorations last night. And, whoa, there are some people that have unbelievable amounts of things in your yard. Now, realize that if you do have that, and you do have a lawn, a lot of them are sitting on the lawn or on your shrubs or anything else, it could potentially cause some damage to the plant material. So just realize that, especially these big inflatable things. It's not so much the heat of the motor that keeps them, infl them inflated, but also during the day when the motor's off, they just kind of lay there on top of whatever, whether it's over, you know, let's say a bed where you have perennials, annuals, bulbs, or whatever, or your lawn. And the humidity underneath those plastic things or whatever they're made out of, I guess it's plastic, but, uh, you know, can really cause some fungus problems. So just know that, just be aware of that being something to be concerned with. Also, finally, I don't know how many calls we have gotten over the last couple, let's say weeks or a month or so, 
It's gotten cold enough that you can prune back your roses. You can prune back any and all of them. Everything from the knockout shrub-type roses to the hybrid teas to the grandiflores to the floribundas. The only things rose-wise you do not want to prune is the climber roses, which are the ones with the really long stems. No pruning on those whatsoever until winter is over with, and then you've just pruned off the dead stuff. But I have the four knockout roses in pots. Now, I kind of cheated. I cut mine back a couple days ago. so, And now they're in the garage. And I don't leave them sit on the garage floor. I have some sort of like, well, they're not really pallets, but some plastic shelving that keeps them off the garage floor about at two inches or so. So I actually prune them the day after that's really wild rain that we had. I don't know actually total amount of rain that we had, but the roses, you know, got well watered. So when you if you're growing roses in pots, you have them in storage, let's say in the garage, Prune them. I've already pruned them back, but you only have to water them about once a month. You don't need to do much more than that. Chuck lives in Shiloh, Illinois. Hi, Chuck. Mike, good morning, sir. Hey, um, I'm sorry. You were probably just talking about the knockout roses, but uh, my wife and I are new to knockout roses. This is our first year. So um, we have uh, several that did very well this year. So do we prune them? straight to the ground and then mulch them with leaves, or do we just prune them and not cover them with leaves at all? Uh, you, they're tough. They're durable. If they've done well, you do. You can mulch them. You don't have to do a severe amount of mulch. Like with hybrid teas, granite floors, you know, floor abundance, all those, you pile up mulch 8 to 10 inches high. But with the knockout roses, just treat them like a regular shrub. So three or four inches of mulch around the perimeter is all you need to do. And uh, as far as pruning back, don't cut them da- back too severely. But uh, you know, mine were probably like almost, eh, let's say, three to four feet long as far as the stems go. And I cut them back to about 18 inches. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Mike, yep. very much. And definitely, you know, if you've got them outside in the ground, if we have that extended period of time where you, we're not having any kind of rainfall, it would be to their benefit to take a bucket of water out there and just kind of pour it around the, the, where the root system is. And then, like I said, since mine are in pots, I'll take a gallon of water out uh, you know, about once a month or so because they're obviously inside the garage and they're not getting any rainfall whatsoever. So anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Take a look at your lawn. Whether you have a cold season lawn or a warm season lawn, weeds are growing. I was shocked to see how large the chickweed leaves are getting. So these are the weeds that germinated last August, and they grow through the entire wintertime, and then they start producing flowers slash seeds, and then when the weather starts getting warm, they disappear. So this is like, you know, chickweed, henbit, and things like that. So, I mean, they're out there and they're growing. Herbicide effectiveness this time of year is somewhat limited. So if you, if you see a big weed problem, and like chickweed just runs all over the place. So basically lift the stems up until you can find out where it's actually rooted into the ground and then just, you know, dig it up. So it's a lot of hand digging. So you can give up your membership to the gymnasium and just start weeding your lawn. Robert lives in Clayton. Robert, how are you today? Just fine. Uh, I wanted to ask about having a uh, walk and talk. Uh, how do I 
set that up with giving a gift certificate to a friend of mine for Christmas? Yeah, just go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and just send me an email, and uh, you know I'll get stuff back to you. Very good. Thanks right. very much. Certainly. Well, thank you, and thanks for you know getting a gift certificate. So if anybody has questions about your yard, your landscape, or anything, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, you probably notice there's still a lot, of, a lot of lawn services that are driving around with mowers. Yes, cool season lawns, they're still growing somewhat. So you don't want those blades of anything to get too long because if we get too much moisture and the blades have elongated, they're going to lay down on top of each other, and then you're going to have winter fungus problems. Now, the winter fungus is not nearly as deadly as the summer-type funguses, but what it does is just weaken the lawn just somewhat in general, and that's kind of, you know, sort of like the downhill slide. And if you've had, you know, areas in your landscape just kind of that you've been disappointed with, this is really a good time to go out and, you know, do a real good evaluation of the circumstance and find out what's the best thing to do, whether it's like maybe convert something from a lawn to a bed space, maybe convert a bed space into a lawn area. And those modifications can make your landscape look a lot better and take some of the pressure off you as well. Pruning-wise, you know, as I continue to say, and a lot of people don't agree with me you know, as far as pruning going into the wintertime, deep, you know, severe winter, because... I mean, if we still realize, we're still in the last couple of weeks of fall. But uh, pruning just to shape, I just don't think it's a good idea to do that this time of year. Any kind of storm damage, whether it's wind or anything else, definitely get it to, uh, taken care of. Any breakage, but just be careful, especially if there's any breakage around power lines or that kind of stuff. Just be smart. It's going to make your life a lot better. And this is the time of year to stop guessing. You've got, you know, let's say areas in your landscape, whether it's lawn, whether it's bed space, whether it's trees, whether it's shrubs, they're just not doing, you know, as well as what you would hope. Get a soil test done. Now, I said somebody called about soil testing last week. And I mentioned universities. There's private companies. Also, in, you know, in the city of St. Louis, there's Brightside St. Louis that, you know, can take the soil samples for you and have the reason, you know, get the soil testing done. So, if you still haven't gotten around to planting those, let's say, spring flowering bulbs, hmm, you're almost to the point where the ground is starting to get pretty darn cold. And yes, you can still plant them in the ground, but as far as their ability to get the root systems established, to be able to you know push that growth up in the springtime, be it foliage and flower, it's you're really on the kind of the cusp of having success with that so if you bought those bulbs and all of a sudden you got so busy you never got around to planting them should you go ahead and plant them yes you can do that and how deep well the daffodils and tulips are the ones that go the deepest daffodils about six to eight inches tulips about four to six inches crocus grape hyacinths you know about three inches or so or two inches and uh, just a well-drained soil because of the area is not really well-drained you know what? Those bulbs are going to rot. Let's go now. Well, maybe we should take a break. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. 
You heard me mentioning some of the annual cool season weeds, the henbit and chickweed. Also, there's annual bluegrass. There's a type of, they call it prickly lettuce. There's a type of speedwell. There's a clover and shepherd's purse. All those are cool season weeds that are just out there. They love the cold. And so if you start to see broadleaf things in your landscape, get them taken care of. Like I said, you're going to have to dig them. Let's go to Julie's yard, and she lives in Winsville. Hi, Julie. Hi. I was wondering, I just planted a new, I guess, raised bed this um, September, Mm -hmm. and it has Japanese maple in it and, like, some, I think they're thread branch shrubs in it. Should I be watering those periodically still? Uh, You planted them in September? Yes. If you haven't had any rain... Uh, f- for a couple of weeks, I would say definitely go out there and do some watering. So okay. just, you know, just if you're, I'm assuming your faucets may be, your outside faucets may be turned off. So you may have to carry just buckets of water out, but just pour it around the root system and uh, just keep the soil hydrated because that's really going to help as the root systems are, you know, going to get themselves established. And if the soil gets too dry, that's going to sort of stymie any kind of, uh, let's say, feeder root growth. And the feeder roots are what's really essential or important. Okay, thank you very much. Yep. And now let's jump from Wentzville to Keysport, Illinois, and go into Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Hi, yes. Um, I have a gravel driveway, and uh, it already had some of the, some of the, like, green ground clover or whatever growing on it. And then I blew a lot of leaves off yesterday, and it's just coming up everywhere. Right. And I just wanted to see if there's anything I can do for that. Uh, basically, like I said, I mean, it's you could try an herbicide if you want to. You know, t- go ahead and try Roundup. But as the temperatures get colder and colder and colder, the plants are just not translocating a lot of things through the foliage. And so, consequently, you may be wasting your time and effort. And if it's a driveway, then you're probably not going to want to go out there and hand weed the whole thing. So you may you yeah. know, go ahead and maybe just, let's say, once, just you know, cordon off a section or mark off a section, try some Roundup on it, and see what happens. If you're not getting any kill, you're just going to have to live with it as is. And just, you know, kind of next year, I don't know if this is the annual clover, if this is a perennial clover or whatever it happens to be, but uh, go after it as soon as the weather starts warming up. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, and then next year, if it's the annual type clover, like the one I was just talking about or mentioning, um, pre-emergent on your driveway. So what that does is just coat it. But, the you know, the problem with putting a pre-emergent on your driveway is basically you want to minimize, let's say, foot traffic or, let's say, vehicle traffic. So the pre-emergent may not have, you know, may not be effective for you in that circumstance. So you may end up having to just go after it. And I, all purpose, you know, let's say systemic type herbicide like Roundup, you could do that. Or if you'd prefer not to use Roundup because of all the stories and, you know, studies and everything else related to the glyphosate, which is the, the, technically the chemical, use like a weed be gone type thing. But uh, Roundup's going to be the most effective. So thanks, Scott. And for anybody else, if you do have any questions or concerns, 314. 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This time of year, uh, how about uh, poinsettias? Every place we went yesterday, they had huge racks of poinsettias. And they're, they sit on the racks. <laughs> I feel sorry for them because uh, 
they're stacked on top of each other. They're not getting any light. So if you do buy a poinsettia, first of all, be careful taking it out of the store wherever you buy it to get it into your car because, I mean, these things are from, you know, basically warm areas in Mexico or further south. So consequently, a cold wind like we have today, even though the temperature may be above freezing, the windshield could do some major damage. You may not recognize the damage until you get home. Now, yes, they generally come with some kind of plastic sleeve they're sat down in, but I'd put something over the top of it. And especially if you're going to buy, let's say, a poinsettia or any kind of seasonal flower type circumstance, and then go someplace and you know you have it in your trunk or the back of your SUV or whatever it happens to be, and it's cold, you're going to be a couple hours so you could have some real damage, you know, done to the poinsettia. So you're probably better off just to get it, you know, get it home, take all the everything off that kind of, and let the, let's say, bracts, that's what the colorful leaves are on the poinsettia, and get it into some full sun. And with the poinsettia, too, just like with any plant this time of year, make sure you do not overwater it. That's basically you don't want to do that. Mike lives in O'Fallon, Illinois. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing today? Good. Yeah, hey, question I have is uh, my wife got an olive tree for uh, Mother's Day last year, and we planted it in a pot, and I just moved it inside this week because the weather's getting cold. Right. Um, how much water should we be given that, you know, monthly or weekly before we put it outside, and when would we be able to plant it in the soil? Now, an olive tree, this is a, like a hardy type of olive? Yes. So I would say you shouldn't have brought it inside. Okay, so I should put it back outside? Yes. It's still in the pot. Okay, that's fine. But what you need to do is just find some place, you know, somewhat protected, dig a hole and drop the pot down into the hole and leave about the top inch or so of the pot above the surrounding ground. But, yeah, hardy plants brought inside is not really good at all. Okay. So, all right, thank you. Yeah, and that way if you just drop them down into the hole, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you can put a little bit of mulch over the top of it, but yeah, this is a, you know, not a good sign to try to bring something like that indoors. So good luck with that, Mike. And uh, somebody getting an olive tree—that's kind of unusual. Now there is Russian olives, but that's kind of the gray foliage that they used to do a lot of planting along interstates with, which they've stopped doing because it's you know has a gray, like I said, gray blue foliage. It does it does produce fruit, but it's not something. Like, you know, technically what an olive is. So thanks, Mike. And for folks, we're going to have another hour of the Garden Hotline called Tip of the Trial Hour. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You can still plant trees and shrubs. So you got the opportunity to head out to your favorite garden center. So what you want to do is just make sure you dig the hole correctly, three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% as deep. So you want the top or the crown of the plant above the surrounding ground in case there's any settling. No fertilizer into the hole. You don't need to do amendments into the hole. Just make sure that depending upon the type of tree or shrub that you're getting, if it's a one that can handle a wetter soil, the drainage is still going to be important, but not quite as important as ones that have to have a well-drained soil. So understand that. So Trees and shrubs, and uh, I don't know if people are still doing this or not, but days of old, people would get actually live trees for Christmas trees or seasonal trees with root balls in them. If you're getting, if thinking about doing that, 
don't bring them inside for more than a couple days. I know that's kind of a disaster. They're heavy and everything else. So if you do decide you want to have a live tree because you want to plant it outdoors as you know a memory of this particular holiday season, it's a lot of work. So, but I've I've been surprised uh, the amount of people that have gotten cut trees. This is a perfect time of year to do that, but also realize that your cut tree has to, if you let that dish or whatever tree holder that it's you know growing in, if you let that dehydrate completely, it could do some damage. And then on the trunk, if you've got a cut tree, cut off a couple inches before you put it into, let's say, the tree stand. And then keep moisture in that tree stand on a regular basis. If you don't, uh, it probably won't drop needles that much, you know, in the first couple of weeks. But you can start experiencing needle drop anyway. But just realize that that's, a, you know, the case. Other things you need to be thinking about, keep your tools ready in case you need them especially like shovels and stuff like that. Mike Miller, KMWOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. The voice of the blues. News Radio 1120, KMOX. KMOX HD, St. Louis. 102.5 KEZK, HD3, St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 